Welcome back, Pinball Nerds, to episode 413 of your fifth favorite pinball podcast. My name is Orbital Lubbard, and on today's episode, I've got the prognosticator of prognosticators, uh, the streamer of all streamers, the, the, the second most known goat in all pinball, the Gamma Goat himself, Mr. Ian Hayward. Welcome to the show. Hey, Albert. How's it going? What about world's okayest pin turn? What, what happened to my title? You got so good at pin turning that I just couldn't, I just, I know that you like that term, so you don't have high expectations, but you're just so good at pin turning, I couldn't call you that anymore. All right. <laughs> um, first of all, how have you been doing? Uh, things have been okay, you know. Uh, I am well adapted to the sit alone in my house uh, lifestyle. I've been training for it for 40 years, so. I know you say that, but I swear to God, it didn't matter which pinball tournament I was at in Toronto, Kitchener, Waterloo, Guelph, Hamilton, London, Stratford, Delaware, St. Thomas. You seem to be at all of them. Yeah, so I, I like the competitive thing. I like competing. I do like hanging out with people there, but, you know, I'm also pretty happy just sitting on my couch playing video games or taking some time out with the 60 machines I have at home, so. Sorry, how many are you at now? 16? Yeah, I have 16. 13 of them are semi-functional and set up. Mm -hmm. Three of them are not set up right now. Okay. And uh, last time I would have been at your house, it seems like there wasn't that many. Was that the um, same number or have you, you bought a couple in the last year? I think it was probably 12 set up when you came. Mm -hmm. I hadn't decided to block the window yet. I, get, I gave up on a window. Oh, did I you? Had, um, <laughs> Well, I forget what I owe Medusa when I added Medusa at that time. But there's a, there's always been one in the shop for a long time. Now there's two in the shop. Well, maybe three in the shop. Who uh, who works on your machines? I do most of it myself. I, I knew that you did most of it, but when you said the shop, I just assumed, like, is that, is that out in your garage? or? Uh, no, I just, in, in my basement, I have a workshop. Oh, okay, okay. That's cool. I figured you did most of it yourself. Yeah, I don't do very much, like, electrical, like, board work, mm -hmm. I don't do a ton of, you know, like, I'll replace a diode or something, uh, or a transistor, but um, when it comes to diagnosing more complicated things or changing circuits out, like, uh, IC chips out, I'd leave that to other people. I need to, like, I, I think Mitch is, Mitch is going to fix my stars. Um, I need to get the board to him at some point, but, you know, it's not a huge rush. Ooh, some people say that's Steve Kirk's best machine, but of course we all know it's Meteor. I'm just kidding. I love stars also. Um, is, that, is that a new machine for you? I don't remember you having stars. No, stars is one of the... I've had stars for a long time. It's one of my earlier machines that I got. That's cool. Um, do you believe that that... Do you think stars is better than Meteor? I don't know. They're close. Uh, they're both awesome. They're, close. they're both great games. Uh, different, different, very different games. Mm -hmm. Here's a better spinner than Stars. Stars, the geometry, the spinners aren't as spinny. Um, but it's a higher, I think that Stars is a 
more challenging, higher risk reward game. And I like the two strategies in the stars. What just just really quickly, what are the two main strategies for stars? So uh, next time I play you, I have a tiny chance. Well, there's maybe like so there's um, first thing you can focus on is bonus and bonus X. So mm-hmm. focusing on drop targets to get your bonus X up in lanes, like you can chat in lanes to advance bonus or you can get them off of other places in the play field. But focusing on maxing out that bonus first. And then you can also, while you're doing the drop targets, you can light the left spinner and do left spinner shots. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of one way to go. Um, the other way is stars. And it depends on how the wows are set. But um, if you get all five stars, one of them will be lit for a super, basically. And you can set a dip switch as to whether you get unlimited supers or a single super. Um, if it's set to unlimited supers, then going for stars tends to be the dominant strategy, but it's a lot higher risk. It's not steady points. You can get very little going the star strategy. Mm. And then is there like one of the two strategies probably has carryover bonus. So you should, you know, concentrate on that if your first ball is really good or something. Well, no, stars is every ball's fresh. Okay. Okay. That state. I kind of like that. I like that, Steve Kirk. Um, now, I feel bad for all the listeners out there who I think most of them know you. You've been on the show like half a dozen times probably now. But for any of them who don't know you, give us the Coles Notes version of, I guess, maybe how you got into pinball and maybe talk about some of the leagues that you, you traditionally are part of or that you TD for. Yeah, so really rapid. Basically, gone into pinball when uh, we got a pinball machine at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a stern Spider-Man. And... Probably for about a year, I played that thing every single day at work. Um, some Sometimes I'd go in on the weekends and play it and just like fell in love with that game. Um, and that's sort of what got me into it. Much, much older age than most people started pinball. Uh, Leagues-wise, I run, when pinball is running, mm-hmm. I run a pin-up, uh, a pin-up arcade bar. I run people in a pinball league, as well as City Pinball Guelph out of Pablo's. Mm-hmm. And then help run... Tri-Cities Pinball League, which is a basement league here in Kitchener-Waterloo, Cambridge, Guelph kind of area, as well as uh, Lopple, one of the Ontario Pinball League, your kind of hometown league. Sorry, I just, I'm tearing up a little, just hearing you talk about Lopple. I just, oh, okay, okay, I'm all right. No, I am, I'm, it, the crazy part is it's weird because I feel like I'm, oh, I don't know what the good term is for it, but like, I already was missing competitive pinball so much. Now, mind you, I get to go like, you know, when pinball was happening once a month, but I was already missing all my pinball friends and I was already missing pinball, you know, by the time COVID came because I hadn't played a Lopple tournament, a Monday night pinball tournament, you know, a TCPL tournament, any of the Toronto tournament. I hadn't played in like, you know, six, seven months by then anyways. So I don't know if that would have made the sting a little bit less bad for me, but I feel like, you know, I... For me, it's like I've already gone, I've gone a whole year now since I've seen any of my pinball friends, right? I think I was, well, it was, I don't know, early October, I was home last year and managed to see a couple people. Um, Oh, I went to Sean's. I managed to see a lot of people, but uh, I think because of that, it's made it slightly easier on me. But that has to do with my next question for you. What are you missing the most about playing tournaments? Um, So, you know, I, I like, the people I like, I miss hanging out with people. I miss talking about pinball, talking about strategy. Mm-hmm. I really do miss that part. I also just miss like that intensity, that roller coaster ride. Like what I like about competitive pinball is the ups and downs. It's 
it's that stress in that moment feeling that anxiety right what you have to do and then when you succeed it feels so good and you got to have those lows of when you fail in order to get that rush of when you succeed and i think it would be harder for someone especially like yourself like i've played i don't know 120 130 tournaments on if but do you have any clue how many altogether you've played like not even in the last three years or just altogether you've got to be at two to three hundred i'm assuming yeah i i haven't really looked at it uh, in a while from that perspective but you've been doing 50 a year for like five years basically yeah i've been doing it for, for quite a while that way um total events is 207 Okay. See, this is what I was saying. You, like you've played, you've played so many events. I played a fair amount. So for, for people who were just kind of newer to competition and they had played a couple, you know, tourneys or something, I don't think that, you know, the pandemic would be as devastating. The fact that, you know, basically probably nine times out of 10 for yourself, if you were going out to have fun and go hang out with friends, you were usually going to pinball. And, uh, you know, I'm not suggesting you don't have other hobbies, but I think that you were fairly encompassed between, you know, Wednesday night at Pablo's, Tuesday night at Pupil, Friday night at uh, uh, Tri-Cities, every, you know, Saturday once a month there, right? So that took up so much of your social time. And all of a, all of a sudden, you know, you've got all this, this extra time to fill. And no matter what I do when I'm playing pinball, no matter if I'm playing against my family for a just for fun tournament, or if I'm down in Halifax and playing some of the, the, you know, I ran into a couple of the guys from the leagues down there and I'm playing with them. Like, even if I'm playing for a beer, I think even if someone slapped down a hundred bucks and I was broke, it still wouldn't have the same intensity as, and I don't know why this is, but playing against a whole bunch of your peers who are awesome at pinball to get some whoppers. Like, I just think the IFPA points, and I don't know why it bugs me, everyone, uh, even the Fundio Flippers here, they had a tournament a couple months ago, and, you know, there hadn't been a lot of cases in in, uh, in New Brunswick for a long time at that point, and they invited me to go, and I kind of wanted to go, and I should have gone. I feel like a jerk for not going, but it was partially because I thought, well, we're going to have a lot of people indoors at the same time, and then it was also partially because I thought, and this is me just being selfish and rude, I'm going to miss out on those whoppers, so I know that the pinball won't feel as intense. I'll still enjoy seeing the people. So some days I miss the people more and other days I miss the whoppers and it just, it depends on the day. So is that how it is for you? Um, whoppers are a weird, a weird thing. Um, they're sort of like a, there's, there's different stages as you go through the, um, competitive pinball scene, you know, you sort of, when you're in the high multiple thousands, you really want to get down below a thousand or below 2000. You have like these goals mm -hmm. and you can play like local small tournaments and you get like two or three whoppers and you're like really excited about that. Cause it makes a big difference and you move up a bunch and that's really exciting. And there's a lot of thrill from that. Mm -hmm. Once you get up into the like 200 kind of range and you start to need like, you know, on my record right now, I'm, I'm 154th since the last rebuild, mm -hmm. you know, I would need, somewhere in the order of 10 whoppers to count on my record. A lot of the tournaments I go to, even if it comes first, it may not even count, you know? So I'm not necessarily there for that aspect of it. I never I thought of that. going to big regional tournaments where I can get like 30 or 40 points for a win or where placing top five will get me like 20 points for it to really matter. But the other thing is like I had a goal to get across into the top 100 I did it like for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. you know, I was like ninety seventh or something like that. But they don't really. I'm not good enough to make top like sixty 
top 50 to be able to get invited to the IFPA World Championships. And the walkers don't really do anything for me otherwise. Right. All they do is restrict me at tournaments, so I have to play A division. So I kind of stopped needing that like whopper satisfaction. Mm-hmm. But I like the competition. I like playing against the best in the world and testing myself against them. And you know, you get those brilliant, like great moments where you get first place on a big tournament on a machine, and it just like on that moment at that time, you were able to outperform everyone else, and that feels really good. What is your, uh, we're both uh, friends with Jeff Teolis. You know him a lot better than I do, of course, because you guys, you live very close to each other and you play in a lot of the same leagues. Um, it's it's very strange for me because he is ranked a bit higher than you. I think he's he, he was in the top 50. And then at the same time, usually when I'm playing with you guys, I feel like you guys are pretty equal. Like I feel like it, in my head anyways, it seems like about half the time you beat him and about half the time he beats you. So do you think if you traveled as much as, as Jeff did and you know made it to free play full Florida and Indisc and all these things as often, do you think maybe th- that you could break into the top 50 that way? Because I feel like you're a good enough player too, but I don't even know because I'm, I'm, you know, you don't know what you don't know if you're not that good, right? Yeah, so... You know, Jeff and I have played a ton. We used to go back and forth in our player versus player like mm-hmm. on tournaments, and we used to like worry each other a lot about that. You know, who was on top, and I had a big lead on him for a long time. Lately, he's—I don't know—he's like ten wins or fifteen wins ahead of me. Um, I think that, and Jeff's got a lot better in the last few years. But I, I would say that the difference between the two of us tends to be that Jeff has a if it, if it comes down to straight, like straight consistency of play, um, sort of limited entry kind of um, classics and limited entry, and I think I might have a slight edge to some degree, mm-hmm. but I think Jeff's a better player than me. And when it comes to blowing up a machine, um, Jeff seems to have a better opportunity of like really crushing that machine in these types of qualifying events. Um, I think he's a more accurate player than I am. I used to have a big advantage over him on rules knowledge. Mm-hmm. That was really one of my differentiating factors. Um, but there's only so far rules knowledge can get you. And the fact that I'm not a very accurate player always comes back to haunt me when I'm sort of trying to get into the top level competition. All right. We might not be able to have true competition, but could we ever see a Teolis versus Gamma Goat cage match? And 100, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, th- I think it would be neat. It would depend on the error of the machines and that sort of thing. Who won the last time at uh, Pimberg between you two? You, you finished a little uh, higher, right? I don't remember. I don't I don't remember. It doesn't even matter. Um, this is a more important question. I kind of went off topic there, but it wouldn't be a Pinball Nerds podcast if that didn't happen once. So uh, let me ask you this. What can someone like myself do? I've noticed, especially since I sold my more modern uh, roller coaster tycoon, my only modern machine, that when I go to play like Jurassic Park last weekend, or even a game that should be really easy to hit all the shots, like Attack from Mars uh, the following weekend, I just suck now. I'm just not as good. What can lots of other people, maybe I, lots of people might have a couple machines at home, but they might not have a modern or they just, you know, a lot of the pinball nerds listening are tend to be a, a younger demographic. What can they do to really stay sharp? Like, does actually watching previous... I've watched last year, the, the Pinberg that we were in, that we got to hang out at together, which I'm... Oh, I wish I wish I had 
I wish I had taken more advantage of, you know, taking video and pictures with people and stuff because I'm, I'm really missing Pimberg, of course, but what can people like us do to stay sharp? Does actually watching Twitch, is that just entertainment or is that, I know it can help a little with the rule sets, but I mean, what do I do to stay sharp and people like me in my position? So, you know, there's sports psychology type things that have proven that doing things like visualization techniques and that do help. Mm -hmm. I think if you're watching Twitch and you're mentally thinking about like the timing for shots and things like that, Mm -hmm. I imagine that would help you. Like if you're actually hyper-focused, like you're thinking I'm playing this game, this is when I would shoot. And if you're watching like high level players who are executing like top things, if you're just watching like someone like me streaming for fun and not really paying attention, I don't think that's going to help you play. You know, if you have access to machines, um, I don't know if this is a segue you set up, but I have a Facebook group for daily pinball training right now. Mm-hmm. We do five-minute drills every day, um, just like five minutes of post-passing, five minutes of alley pass, five minutes of shooting ramps. Um, you know, this is my new attempt at keeping fresh and making sure I don't just go weeks on end without playing, just like short little bursts of repetitive practice. And people made fun of me at first. They're like, yeah, that's what I wanted in pinball was like accountability and repetition and taking all the fun out. But that's what I, need. <laughs> I actually want to get better at skills. And so now I'm focusing on skills. It's the only example I can really think of. And that's great advice, by the way, to all the listeners out there. So get out your pen and paper, rewind it and listen to the gamma goat himself. And someday you might be able to crack the top 250. But, uh, uh, Mark Turand from Lopal and Monday Night Pinball, he, I told him I was really having issues. There were certain parts in KISS where he, it's really important to hit the right ramp. And he taught me, he said, just, you know, it's one of the Thursday free plays. You're not wasting your loonies and toonies. Uh, literally just, you know, just go over to KISS and just keep practicing hitting that right ramp. And then he even showed me like how he learned how to backhand it if you do a slight roll up. And and then sure enough, I, I don't know, it was like a tournament maybe two or three weeks later. I needed to hit the right ramp for some reason to do something. And I was able to hit it. And it was, you know, and that was the most boring game of pinball I had was three balls straight of just aiming at the right ramp. But it came in handy in the long run. And that's something I normally am, you know, I'm, I'm not able to force myself to do. So now, this is just a guess. I'm not going to like rewind this in six months from now and be like, oh, you said, you know, but I want you to look in your crystal ball and guess for me, if you could, which one of these three events, if you can give it a percentage, great. If not, just say yes or no. But which one of these three events do you think will happen in some way, shape or form next year? Okay. So right. we'll, starting with Texas Pinball Festival. No way. That's what I was not thinking. Sense. That's what I was thinking that, yeah, maybe there's a miracle coming and I hope there is. Uh, but if the silver bullet's coming, it's probably not going to get to us by March, I'm assuming. So next is Pinburg. That one I've been, you know, some days I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. If we can go to Costco, we can go to Pinburg. And then other days I'm like, eh, I don't, there's so many people at replay effects and it's, I don't know, you know? So uh, I think Pinburg is unlikely right now. Um, I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. It will really depend on whether a vaccine is available. I think to be able to execute at Pimberg the way they want to, we have to be in a position where vaccine exists and can be distributed at a mass level. 
I think that international travel is going to be very slow to restart. Um, I think that the other thing to remember is that they need a lot of time to prep for Pinberg. Right. So they have to be in a position where they can be confident, they can be preparing machines, they can be running Fight Club, and all of those things well in advance. And so it's not like if a vaccine comes out by July, that's not enough for Pinberg to happen. Right. We'd have to have it like months in advance, and I just think that's hard. <sighs> but I, I do think, I do think by next spring that small to medium size, like you know, ten person tourneys and stuff like that, will most likely be starting back up uh, again, depending on which areas. You know, so for instance, if you lived out here on the East Coast, and I know that you're someone who's a very learned man, I would like, I, I, you know, I've got the pleasure of speaking with you lots, not even on the podcast, and you always blow my mind because, uh, I, I don't know, you, maybe Dennis Kriesel might be more of a pinball encyclopedia uh, than you, but you're, you're certainly number number two in my eyes, anyway. So, if you had to, to I guess what would you like to see? Like if you lived out here on the East coast, would you be going to play in arcades yet or no way? Not until like, even with like, cause I'm thinking a year from now, what if Ontario has numbers percentage wise or per capita as low as the East coast? Because my buddy Matt was saying, Oh, you're crazy. How are you going and playing in arcades? Like he hasn't gone and played in any arcades in London or anything. And I said, well, I mean, you know, we didn't have a case for what 90 days. We had only two cases of people who had came from somewhere else. So there hasn't been community spread. I'm wearing a mask. I refuse to go in there if there's anyone not wearing a mask or if there's, you know, more than a couple people and I can't socially distance. Like, I don't know. I guess where on this scale would you be? Like, say you came out here to visit me, I don't know, next summer or something like that. Maybe you still weren't comfortable playing there because the numbers were high in Ontario. Would you be more like, should I be comfortable going or is that just a personal thing? I, I think everyone, everyone has different uh, level of risk that they're willing to accept. If I look at what your situation is, um, the Atlantic provinces are fairly isolated. Towns are fairly far apart you're not close to any like centers where there's a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Like it's hours and hours drive from anywhere that's having a problem. Yeah. And so I would be much more comfortable now, my own personal risk profile, I might still not do it. Mm -hmm. but if there's no community transmission. If everything's under control and travels locked down, I'm pretty comfortable. You know, I look at where we are in Kitchener Waterloo right now, you know, yesterday there was 500 cases the day in Ontario the day before 700 Waterloo has around like 10 to 12 cases per day happening right now. It's really, really low, mm -hmm. but we're an hour drive from 300 cases. Right. And there are people moving around and I don't know what I'm being exposed to in river river, in river river, you know what you're being exposed to. If you're yeah. going to Moncton even, you know what you're being exposed to. It's not, it's not the same risk as being an hour from Toronto and not knowing, you know, we have international travelers coming into Pearson. We have um, like all of the hotbeds of Toronto and people could just be like, Oh, I can't go to a bar in Toronto, but I can drive outside of the city and do more. So I want to do that. And that's just too much risk. That totally makes sense. Um, just changing topics a little, I wanted to ask you about, well, I know there's, 
Tell me first about this. I got to be in the chat there and I spoke a little bit about it, but you were actually part of the uh, Buffalo Pinball and P3 Multimorphic. I think it was like the world premiere. Tell us a little bit about that game and how the uh, people in chat could interact with it. Yeah, so um, Multimorphic has uh, announced and there's beta code that Kevin and I got access to a new feature called Twitch Connect. And this is something we're integrating into the platform it's available to third-party developers, anyone developing on the platform, and they're looking at adding it to more of their games. Um, we were playing Cosmic Kart Racing. This was the first game that it was implemented in. And, you know, as a owner of the P3, I go in, I actually, like, put in my Twitch channel mm -hmm. in, um, in the machine. I created a bot account. It's called P3 Goat Bot. And <laughs> uh, authenticated it on my multimorphic machine and when i enable the feature as i'm playing cosmic kart racing when i'm in a race it will tell my chat that there are power-ups available and things that it can do um, what we were doing is we were playing an online multiplayer game four of us connecting over the internet doing races and every one of our chat rooms had one of these bots attached and so during the race you could go into my chat and you could the bot would say power-ups are ready and you could type a command like EMP2 and it would play an EMP pulse on player two in the race, which might be like Kevin at Buffalo Pinball or Jerry at Multimorphic. Um, you know, there was EMP, which causes your cart to get electrocuted and spin out. Um, there was blockade, which causes the walls to come up and block the two ramp shots. That was my um, favorite. Yeah. And you can really <laughs> see it. It's really visible. Um, there's also shield, which can actually help someone. So you could shield one, could shield me uh, from the other attacks impacting me. Um, so those were what were sort of the free power-ups that were available. And the bot would call every like 15 or 20 seconds to allow people to play more power-ups. And the first person to get in on the chat would be the one who would play that. And you could do this across all of our streams at the time. And so you were physically affecting like with the, with the blockade, you're physically affecting the way uh, the machine plays on from the internet, and that's really cool. And there were also two paid power-ups. Um, they were much more disruptive, and you could only play them on you can only play them on the streamer themselves. Right. And they are blackout, which turns the screen off. That's awesome. Um, and turns the lights off, and it displays the names of everyone who contributed uh, to cause the blackout to happen on the screen. <laughs> And so that lasts for, I think we had to set at like 20 seconds of blackout. Um, and that would happen by cheering, by donating bits. So once a certain threshold of bits was accumulated, the blackout would trigger. And then the other one was reverse flippers. So we would do the same thing. It would reverse your flippers for 20 seconds. And so those were those are paid features. And this is pretty cool from a, like, as a Twitch streamer, getting people, it got a lot more people engaging with chat. Mm -hmm. um, I think it definitely, for a stream like mine, it got a lot more bits donated than I would typically get. Um, so I think those are pretty cool features, and you know they can bring this to other games. Um, I'm looking. I haven't done another stream since then, but it works in single player as well. It works in career mode when you enter the race. W wouldn't be as exciting while. if you can't kind of block the other guy and stuff as much, but still interesting. Yeah, you can still block the AI players, mm -hmm. and that like impacts them, but. Um, it's more exciting in the live, like in the multiplayer 
multi-stream situation, but it works as well in the local one. That is so cool. Um, we've only got about two minutes here, and I do have uh, another Twitch question for you, but would it be okay? Could I keep you for another half an hour and we can come back and talk a little bit about Deep Root, Pinball Adventures, and then I have an, a favor to ask of you as well. Do you have some time? We have some time, so let's uh, stay tuned after this more with Gamago. <laughs> we'll talk soon.